0: Hi everybody, and welcome to the new episode of the Endless Hells podcast. I hope everyone that's listening is keeping well and keeping safe during these tough times. But hopefully we can bring a bit of joy back into their lives talking all things Celtic Football Club. I'm delighted to be joined by a show regular, Anthony Dunn. Hi, how are you Anthony?
1: I'm good, mate. I uh, hope all you guys are uh, doing well too. It's great to be back on.
0: Yeah, no problem. Great to have you on. I'm sure we're going to get stuck into some, some topics. Uh, anyway, there's so much to talk about. And also join us as a very special guest from the Celtic Vlog. Uh, James Forrest. Hi, are you, James?
2: I'm all right, mate. Thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah, no problem. And we appreciate you doing this, Forrest, man. It's, it's very much appreciated within the channel. And we're going to talk about some stuff regarding Celtic Football Club. Before we get on to the, the topics that is are in everyone, everyone's minds in terms of management and the structure, I just want to touch upon the game that was seen in the weekend, uh, just briefly anyway. I'll go to yourself, James, first. What did you think of the game against Falkirk?
2: Uh, well, uh, I think it's... Um... It wasn't a great shot if we won, of course. Uh, What I was surprised at is the fact that we maintained the pace of the game for 90 minutes. We covered every blade of grass and the players never stopped. It's the first time this season that I've seen us play for 90 minutes, without let up, without pause. Um, And I was quite impressed by that. Uh, I think maybe whatever's happening in training is getting done slightly differently is maybe now having an effect. Maybe we're starting to see what Kennedy can do. Um, I, I also wonder if maybe there's something to do with Steven McManus's promotion because I noticed Steve is very animated on the touchline during yeah. the match. Maybe he's having some impact. But they, they played for 90 minutes. They ran for 90 minutes. It's the first time I've saw them do that for a while. So I was very encouraged by
0: it. Yeah, I think you actually bring up some good points there. I, th- I think in the over the three mat, matches he's been in interim charge, we've had something like 92 shots. But the, yeah. the things are concerned... The the thing that concerns me, Anthony, is the fact we've only managed to score five goals within them three games. Now, three of them goals came against League One opposition in terms of Falkirk. But as as James rightly pointed out, sadly, didn't stop. It was kind of pressure after pressure, or attack after attack. Is that what you took away from the game, Anthony?
1: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. It was. um, It's always. I actually think this is the first time I've been on on the back of a a win. So you know, it's actually it's quite nice to be on tonight. Um, I I thought that the game. Like you say, it was a, a, a professional job, you know, against lower league opposition in the Cup. The, the most important thing is just getting into the next round. But um, as James says, there was a lot more energy in the team, particularly in the second half. You know, they kept that going. There's been quite a lot of times we've started games well this season, and it's just sort of petered out. Um, but it was great seeing uh, James's namesake uh, on the pitch um, back amongst the goals as well. Um, and I thought Rosgitch and Turnbull... Um, they connected quite well. It was quite surprised to see Tom uh, to to start the match. But I thought him and Turnbull worked well again, especially second half. And um, you know, three goals you can't complain. And um of but of course the, the pick of the bunch was uh El we touch class over the over the goalkeeper. It was brilliant.
0: Yeah, that that goal but it just reminds me of like a I know this is a very hard comparison, but like a Larson finish, like the chip, the wee dink over the keeper. Yeah, it's it's so, sometimes cheeky. that's the sort of, yeah, that's the type of intelligence that you're crying out for when, you're play, when you see players playing for Celtic and make stupid, rash decisions instead of taking their time and thinking they're free property. I think it during the match as well, there was plenty of opportunities for likes of Griffiths to hit a shot on target, but it, it didn't really work out for him. But before we move on, uh, James, I'll go back to you for this one. In terms of the players in that game, who impressed you?
2: Well, I think you can build the whole team out of David Turnbull right now. I, I, I think he's one of the most exciting prospects I've seen the Celtic team in a long time. Like yourself, so I was I was impressed by how well he worked with Tom Rogic because it was one of my complaints uh, when I saw the team selection. I did not know how those two would play in the same team together, but they did really well. It, it, it worked for some reason. Um, I, I just wonder if maybe that's something the next manager is going to look at. But Tom is a class act. You can build the whole team around this guy, and I hope we do. And I I think Stephen Welsh looks better in every game that I watch him play. He, he really does look like the the one gold nugget from the whole entire horrible season. Is that he's had an extended run of the team, and he looks like he'll be at the centre of the defence for a long time.
0: Yeah, I think. I think we all echo that in this channel. That we always speak about Stephen Welsh. It, mm. It's just unfortunate his it, it, chance in the team actually came by accident instead of performances regardless uh, yeah. of and you set up and, and all stuff. But he's been fantastic. And I think the partnership he struck up with Ayers is, is, is quite good. But you just don't know if Ayer's going to stay or is he going to sign a contract to mm. become a new captain. That, that's another question, up for debate. But moving on from the game, we'll go on to the, the topic that everyone was looking for this morning, which was the announcement of Eddie Howe, which didn't come. What we did see was Dominic Mackay, he's starting early, right about the 19th of April. Hi, Anthony. Do you think this would be one of Eddie Howe's demands, getting the structure in place first before he takes over? Or is it more that Mackay wants in as soon as possible to fix what's went wrong?
1: Um, I'm not obviously sure if if it's something that Howe himself has has, has demanded, Um, Stephen. What I'm glad is that Mackay's going to be in the building a lot sooner than we originally expected, um, you, you know, as I've spoke before on this channel, rugby isn't my speciality point, but it, the improvements at, at Murrayfield have been clear for OTC to uh, the last couple of years. So, yeah, it's great he's coming in there in a, a, a sort of transitional phase um, before you know getting the title um, in the summer. So that's that's a a, a plus. Um, it, to coin a wee phrase for for the maestro himself, it, it creates a wee buzz about the place. Um, but you know. I I I'm like everyone else, you know. You, you kind of hoped that um, we were hoping that Eddie Howe was going to be announced um, today as well. But I think as the weekend went on, we have seen that, that that probably wasn't going to be uh, realistic. But um, I would say if if he has agreed, I, I, I would have him in as as soon as possible, um, if if the circumstances allow, um, and then he can just sort of you know start the rebuild or, or try and end this season on a high. And then obviously start the rebuild for next year as as quickly as possible.
0: Yeah, I think as well, I've seen quite a lot of fans, Well, maybe not the majority, but you get the minority as well, that's coming out and saying that it seems like Eddie Howe, from what they're reading, is trying to make these demands before he even agrees to take the job. I know we've seen reports that he's agreed uh, the job in principle, kind of a verbal agreement, but obviously no paperwork's been signed. Uh, what do you think about the whole Dominic Mackay starting early, James? Is is your opinion that it is anyhow kind of pushing this or are you more on board with what Anthony said?
2: Well, he's probably not pushing the um, the, the CEO issue very hard, but it certainly sounds as if he wants to see in, in who the director of football is going to be. And I can understand that to an extent. While, uh, while I agree that it's probably not a good idea to let the manager pick the pick the people he works for any more than it's a good idea to let the players pick the manager. I can understand that he wants, he would prefer to work with somebody who he's worked with before and who he knows well and who he absolutely trusts. And I think if he's got a good partnership with uh, Richard Hughes, um, that I'd, I'd, and, and you know, if Hughes has got the credentials and is acceptable to the Celtic board, I think it would be an excellent idea to have two guys in there who know each other and have worked together before and kind of know each other's ways of working and stuff. I mean, David Webb was also liked with a director of football job, and he's also worked with him. Uh, that, that, to me, just makes more sense than bringing in somebody like Fergal Harkin, who's never worked with him before and who is more comfortable dealing with the directors because he's a, apparently a friend of Desmond. Well, I would rather that the director of football was a friend of the manager than a friend of the largest shareholder. Um, that makes
0: Yeah. Sense. yeah. I think what you make there about Harkin, I think they've kind of, they want Harkin in, they want him announced, but obviously as Eddie Howe, once Richard Hughes in, it's kind of free, free a wee bit in the basket. And it's like, it's like they've came to a crossroads, but if Eddie Howe is announced in the next couple of days to take over as selling manager, James, do you think he should come in straight away and evaluate the team for the next season? Or do you think he should hold off until the end of the season? I
2: have a personal preference on that. I think I would like, I would like to see him come in straight away. I'd like to see him get the 10 games or whatever is left to assess the team properly, to put his tactical ideas across. There are players who obviously we're going to have to make a decision on in the summer. And the sooner he's in there, and the sooner they see what he's got in mind. And he can explain to them what he's got in mind. The sooner we might get decisions from someone like Ryan Christie to stay for an extra year or two, maybe IR. I don't think we'll keep Eddie under any circumstances. I think Eddie's made up his mind to go, and he's going to go, and we'll get a bundle of money for him. And in that regard, I think that it would be good to see how come in so that he can do that proper evaluation um, and start getting his ideas across and stamp his imprint on this team. On the other hand, this isn't his team, and it doesn't matter if he comes in and does spectacularly well in the next 10 games. It's not going to be his team next season. And there is an element of it that makes me think he's going to balk at the idea you coming in to clean up someone else's mess. I, uh, yeah. if, if I were in his shoes, I wouldn't come right now. Because it's so Daniel, you... he has put in a very difficult position. I mean, what if we go to Ibrox and lose, God forbid, right in the cup? And he's the manager. And that's his start. You know, the press is going to say, gerald has got one over him, on him right away. And then he goes to Ibrox again in the league in a couple of weeks' time. That doesn't go so well either. And all of a sudden, his record is not for two or one draw, or one defeat or whatever it's going to be. And this is the worst possible start for the guy. The press will be on his case right away. There'll be a section of your support, by the way, who will also be on his case right away and will be screaming that the wrong decision has been made. And it's, it's, I just don't see any upside for him in doing it. I hope to God he does. I hope to God he's one of these guys who's like, you know what, I'm confident enough. I'll come in and I'll turn this around and I'll I'll start my Celtic career with a Scottish Cup. Why shouldn't he believe that? But if he goes the other way, I will completely understand why.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm glad to actually bring that up in terms of him, if he comes in now. You can see, you can kind of see if the, the results don't go well against Rangers, that the fans would, Ultimately, some section of the fans will be like, what's going on here? Why has there been no improvements? And obviously that, yeah. that's quite a, a glaring thing, because if he comes in, he, he's trying to put his imprint, uh, as James rightly says, this is not his team, and the majority of the personnel won't be there next season. So you're looking at it, if Eddie comes in now, and it, it goes kind of, coined the phrase, tits up from now till the end of the season, do you think the support can accept that that's the way it might go until he gets his own players in?
1: I, th- I think the more Rational thinking amongst their support, which I would like to think is the vast majority, would see it the way that Jim, James just sort of outlined it there. That we would you know you say it's it's not his team. This has been a disastrous season. Let's just get it all out out the way and 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 we start again. But you know, Twitter and Facebook. You only have to go onto the comments at the minute at the moment, and he's not even signed. He's he's not even in the door. Um, officially, and uh, you know so, some of the comments you read, you just you know your your heads in your hands, you know that he's he's no, he's never done anything. And you know, but by the way, and I know we're, we'll come on to this uh, later on in the show. Not just um, supporters' with we touch screens, right enough. Ex Celtic players in the media are coming away with the exact same, and it's just like you know this guy's literally not even in the door yet, and 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 he's on a hard time. I, I, like you say, it's, it's James is kind of quite described well, but both scenarios there. you know, it's quite high stakes. Um, but you know, as I must admit, no, no, nothing would give me greater satisfaction than you know, the, um, turning up in his soft-spoken way that he is, but you know, quiet, steely guy, and just um, wiping the smile off uh, Gerard's face. I mean, it, it would really start the summer off well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to be a dampener, but I would like to be. A bit, a, do you know what I mean? a bit impartial as, as the host, but I've seen, a, I've seen a few reports come out saying, James, obviously we all see Twitter, we all see Instagram, and quite rightly so, it's, it's full of rumours at the minute, and there's starting to creep in that the likes of Crystal Palace are, are wanting to speak to Eddie Howe, the likes of Newcastle. Yeah. We know he's already, he's already rejected Sheffield United and for the Celtic job, but do you think that this keeps dragging on any longer that Eddie Howe's going to stick around, James?
2: <laughs> um... Again, there are, there are two schools of thought here. Um, this guy either wants to wants to do something special at a special club, or he wants or he wants money. Basically, I mean that's that. I mean, he's either wants to come to a special club and win things and 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 establish a legacy and build something, or he's going to go where the money is. Right now, you can say, as some will say that that there's also an ambition element to it that he would rather be. You know, and and you know, and and the kind of league that can satisfy our managers, you know, football and ambitions, as opposed to coming to a backwater like Scotland. Um, uh, the truth is, though, w- w- what is he going to achieve at a Crystal Palace? Right, if he goes there, it's for money. It's for nothing else. And he won't be able to dress up as for football reasons, right? Because Crystal Palace are a mid-table team. After that, if that, if they're not going to be hovering in the relegation zone. The best he'll accomplish is about a, a mid position. He could have stayed at Bournemouth if he wanted that. He could have taken a shot at the Sheffield United job or one of the other jobs that that will involve just existing on the Premier League level. I mean, there are some managers who might be content to take the money and exist on the Premier League level. Other ones who want to go and win things and challenge for honors and play in Europe and start managing Europe and stuff like that. And, and if Howe isn't one of those guys, if Howe wants to go where the money is, then let him go where the money is. He, his star will fade in, in due course, as all of these guys do. If the guys who chase the money, these are no guys who win things. These are no guys who are going to yeah. go and, and, and challenge for honours anywhere.
0: Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And as I always said, Celtic Football Club, is one of the biggest clubs in Europe and, and in the world with the biggest fan bases. As you've rightly said, if you're going to the likes of Crystal Palace and Sheffield United, you're chasing the money. You're chasing the big pay packet yeah. at the end of the month. And that's not what you need at Celtic. You need someone who's going to be there, who's going to be committed, who wants to take Celtic forward. And I don't mean just for two or three years, but I mean a, lo- a longer term kind of value there yeah. as well. Because, yeah, you don't, you, you don't want someone coming in Beefing their name up, and then the first job down in England, they're, they're away. They're catching catching flames down the M1 back to England. And that's oh. that's not the the sort of sort of thing Celtic need. What what about you, Anthony? In terms of the the likes of Crystal Palace and Sheffield I mean James, I mean he summed that up perfectly. He's chasing the money if he goes there, isn't he?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean these clubs, the 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 be all and end all for them is um, is mid table. You, you know that 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 would be that's a a season. You know, a, a season to remember for generations. If you finish tenth in the English Premier League, and it's not like you say, where the the guys who with the the best ambitions would would, would settle for. You know, you look back to a lot a lot that what's made about Eddie Howe is um, the fact that he's sort of done well at Bournemouth, and you know he's he's. You know, you've been unemployed for for um a, a number of months now but I, I i do see a lot of parallels between him and uh, and Brendan Rodgers <laughs> i accept yeah. that that Brendan did have the liverpool experience I, um I, I i agree that obviously he's not had that big job in england yet but by the same token if if we're sitting here 2 years ago um if Eddie Howe's name was linked every time a managerial vacancy um so called promotion above um the Bournemouth job became available any time you know, the Everton job looked up for grabs or there was... Listen, if, if Eddie Howard perhaps got the Arsenal job a couple of years ago, in a similar fashion to the way that Brendan got the Liverpool job, you know, Bre- Brendan's was, his star was rising, there's no denying it but he wasn't the, the A-lister that I would argue that he is now but how could have had the opportunity at that point to make a name for himself at a, a club like that I don't think there would have been too many people would have batted an eyelid because they see the the talents that he undoubtedly has, um, which is why I think um, it would be a fantastic appointment um, if if Celtic managed to pull it off. But that, it, it, even going back, I've, um, I'm a keen listener to some of the the, the football writers' podcast down in England, and I remember them his name being touted with the England job um, as well. Yeah. So yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it's so the the, the, the the idea that the Daily Record and all the pals seem to be pushing it now that it's a a small time, and he's you know he's he's never managed. He, he, he won't know pressure or anything like that. You know, for for all what we're, we're saying that you know the Bournemouth job or Sheffield United job, you know they're not the the most glamorous. They 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 come with pressures of their own. You know, the, 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 if if you manage in the English Premier League, for all it's a bit of a circus and it's overhyped and overblown. If you do a decent job at it down there, then you've you've got to be worth something. Yeah, yeah,
0: uh, you summed that up perfectly perfectly well there. The way I look at it is, as I always say as well, the English Premier League look at, as James said, look at Scotland like a backwater league for people to go towards the end of their careers. I think the Eddie Howe, the Eddie Howe thing, maybe Barb Brenda Rogers, is quite out of the norm that a, a young open cup manager wants to try and succeed at Celtic Football Club. Now, moving on to the likes of the director of football, as James said, Richard Hughes, seems to be his preferred choice, but the Celtic board are quite pushing this Fergal Harkin uh, routine with a couple of people like analysts and backroom teams coming from Manchester City. Now, James, do you think Eddie Howe will be the the person that will kind of make Desmond back down from Harkin? Or do you think Desmond will be firm set in appointing his friend?
2: Well, that's a good question, actually. Um, The thing is, um, I I wrote a piece the other day that said that if Eddie Howe takes the job, he will probably be the most powerful Celtic manager since Martin O'Neill. And I'm glad that, that, that Howe is making demands because it, it makes it clear that how is not going to be content to just accept whatever the board wants to give him. He's got ideas of his own and he's got a vision of his own that he wants to be able to control completely. Um, I don't think it's so much a case of, of them backing down. See, Desmond, more than Lowell anyway, Desmond likes the idea. Having a strong character in the dressing room. I think, I think, damn it, Desmond subscribes to the view that the manager should run the show. This is why Desmond's tried to hire Keane twice. Um, because you know, a lot of clubs in England won't touch Keane because they're worried that Keane will rock the boat. Desmond doesn't seem to be concerned, it doesn't seem to bother him that Keane would be one of those guys that would come in and cause all sorts of chaos and demand all sorts of stuff and want standards to be raised across the boards and no brook in it and interference in what he was doing. And damn it, Desmond doesn't seem to have any problem with that. So I, I don't think it's a case of him um, backing down as such. I think that if Eddie Howe comes in and has got demands and, has got, and his ideas are good and they're sound ideas, I think Desmond would be happy to accept them and go along with it and be like, well, this proves he's a right guy. He's, he wants total control of his own destiny. And as a guy who you know, admires that, I can go with that. I can get behind that. I mean, there's a famous story yeah. about Martin O'Neill wanting to spend £6,000,000 on Chris Sutton. And Demo Desmond said it was the only time that he ever kind of snapped back at me is when I said to him, that's an awful lot of money to spend. Are you sure that we should be spending that? And he said, you're not spending it. I'm spending it. This is my decision. I've made this. This is the guy I want. And he said, and at that point, I knew we'd made the right choice in manager." Yeah, so
0: I, mean, I, th- I think... Yeah, I mean, uh, w- what concerns me, though, is the whole, from my point of view, the, the whole Keane thing, I mean, I'm p- pretty vocal about it on, on different podcasts, and especially our one as well. I just didn't see the whole narrative of why, why Keane should be a selling manager. Yes, I can understand that he's a strong personality, that he, he won't take no no shit, so to speak. But again, yeah. <coughs> Neil Lennon was meant to be all them things in a field. But going to you, going to you, uh, going to you Anthony, in, in terms of, anyhow, making the demands like Richard Hughes, and I also think it's vital that he gets a choice or at least a decision in his coaching staff instead of being frustrated with Kennedy and Strachan. Absolutely. But do, do you think, of the, as James said, if Eddie's making these demands and Desmond's going, as if they're sound off, we'll do it, do you think he's thinking to himself, this guy is the right man if he wants to make demands to me?
1: I certainly hope so. I mean, um, I mean, de- de- going with the director of football um, purely in a selfish point, I wouldn't mind David Webb because we interviewed him on this <laughs> channel, so it might give us yeah, a bit more traffic, you know. But uh, no, in terms of, of your question, Stephen, um, I would I would be encouraged. Um, I read James's pieces as, I, as I often do. Um, the, the the one he, he mentioned about about how per, potentially being the, the most um, having the greatest uh, level of autonomy since Sir because obviously, as as he, as he points out in the article, this is um, the first managerial appointment. Um, that doesn't necessarily going to involve Lawwell long term, uh, for the well, best part of two decades, you know, um, he'll obviously be there when the, when he's probably unveiled. But you know, it's not very long now until he's out the door in the summer. So you know, this decision's more for the future rather than uh, than the past. I I, I would be delighted um, to know that if he's making those sort of demands, because like we were just speaking on it. Sort of, it sort of gives uh, the the idea that he's potentially sitting about, you know, putting roots down here for 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 yeah. a wee while, It's not just up, maybe one a league or two, and then the minute one of the she- the Sheffield United job becomes available again, he's, <laughs> he's, he's away again. So if if he's thinking Ari, coming up here long term, um, and trying to you know build something like he like he did at Bournemouth, just on a, a far bigger and more uh you know more successful scale, then then that's I'm all for it. Um, as I say, he, he was always my preferred choice of candidate. I mean, I've, I've, I, I I'll, I'll be honest. I absolutely love sitting down on Sky on a Super Sunday and Roy Keane's on because Roy Keane's <laughs> one of my footballing heroes. growing up, you know, I've, 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 I'm Celtic first, last, and always. But I do have a wee soft spot for Manchester United, and it's purely because of that team in the nineties. You yeah. know, not just the class of ninety two, but Roy Keane Im, Im, himself. Just that, that that's he was just. His standards were so high and he's very intelligent to listen to um, talk, comment on the game um, f- from that point of view as a pundit, but that's not, you know, the, the way that he speaks now, it makes for great television, but I don't think this generation of players necessarily respond positively to those kind of, you can only go to that well so many times before, the, in the same way that uh, it happened with Neil at several clubs um, including ours unfortunately. I think that sort of that sort of approach, that kind of autocratic, you know, you will do as I say, it, it maybe works for a short term. But I, th- I think Celtic, we really have to be building long term. And guys like Eddie Howe and Brendan are off that approach, that sort of, you know, more holistic kind of approach, as it were.
0: Yeah, no, you're you're 100% right. James, I want to throw something to yourself. <clears throat> I heard this of uh, a Celtic said of mine by um, Kevin Graham, who does uh, some podcaster. He said that Eddie Howe was offered the job in November, but on Roger Saiso, he was told to reject it because of Peter Lowell. Now, (laughs) what we've seen now is obviously Peter Lowell is leaving at the end of the season, and maybe that's kind of swayed his decision. But does that just show the type of character that Lowell was, that there's ex-managers advising potential new managers not to take the job if he's there?
2: I used to think that I used to think that some of the stories of it all had to be exaggerated there were so many and they were so bad about his interference and, and all sorts of different aspects of the team. I used to think that they had to be exaggerated and the whole Rogers affair kind of took the blinkers off on me because it, it, it was it was crystal clear that Rogers chafed. About his, about his interference and, and, and I think Law, I, I think Rodgers considered Law to be a negative influence on his ability to build the kind of team that he wanted I mean the the famous transfer window where we lost John McGinnon where we lost Timothy Castagne and these guys I mean the scouting department did its job the management team analysed the players identified the targets and and and, and Rogers at that time, was, it's clear to me that Rogers at that time was working towards a long-term plan, at least as far as 10 in a row was concerned and getting getting to the end of this season before he made the decision. It's clear anyway that Rogers was working on building something to the point where even if he left at the end of 10 in a row, he was going to leave behind him a stable club that had an extra couple of years in the Champions League groups or whatever, right? And he felt that summer that those efforts were completely undermined by what Lowell did. Whether it was haggling with Hibs over a couple of hundred grand over and I know there are ins and outs to that story, and it wasn't completely Celtic's fault, but I always said that Lowell played a bad hand very badly. He didn't even bluff particularly well. He didn't even try to bluff particularly well. mean, there were pressures that we could have applied to Hibs in terms of the fact that Lennon was there as manager, and we could have applied over Rod Petrie's head, in terms of well, we've made a good offer. It's money that the manager needs to spend. We could have shook things up a wee bit there behind the scenes. Got Lennon making demands on Petrak sell him again so I can get the money, whatever it was. And and Loyal just played the whole thing so amateurishly, so terribly that we never had the chance really. And, and what swung it for me was the the night of the EK Athens game at Celtic Park. And I was um I, I was sitting here in front of the computer and I was getting ready watch a game on the telly, and I heard Chris McLaughlin on BBC Radio Scotland say that a a Celtic director had slammed the manager for his comments at the press conference the day before about how long transfer deals were taking. And I wrote that story that night, and people screamed about it, oh, we're taking Chris McLaughlin's it, And I said, Chris McLaughlin said a Celtic director told him this, said this to him, if Chris McGotland is lying, he will never be in Celtic Park again. I'll be believing Chris McGotland tonight. I believe Chris McGotland. And that was at me in Celtic Park the following day. We, Pat McVeigh altered with Peter Law. And I knew two minutes after walking in the room that Peter Law was the guy who spoke to Chris McGotland the night before and trashed the manager on the eve of a Champions, oh, on the night of a Champions League game. And I knew we were in deep shit that night. I knew we were in real trouble. Real trouble, but the following day, seeing Law and hearing Law, and hearing his justifications for why that had happened, I knew that the the clash between the two of them was so bad that we weren't going to get out of it all the way to ten in a row. I knew Law, I knew that Rodgers was going to leave. I didn't know what the timing was going to be, but I knew that at the end of the season, at the very latest, that he was going to go. There was no way he was going to stay another day beyond the end of that campaign. And I just knew actually attitude that day was that the club was in the right and Rodgers was in the wrong. And I know Rodgers was a bit egocentric and whatever, but it, it, was, it was obvious, it was evident that the, the class of personalities was too much to bear. And I think from that moment on, Rodgers believed he was being undermined. And when we signed um, Manning Sved and the January window just before he left, I mean, he could not have been more dismissive of that if he'd actually said, the guy is shite, and I'd want nothing to do with <laughs> Oh,
0: that was terrible. I mean... <laughs>
2: was dreadful. And, I, and I think... A, that story, that was, I
0: was
2: Thinking about all the stories I heard about Lowell and all the other times that he had allegedly interfered and allegedly overruled the manager. Like, when Samaras wanted a new contract and the manager wanted to keep him and Joe Ledley wanted a new deal and the manager wanted to keep him and law overruled them on both counts and it's stuff like that. And you think to yourself, you've got no business doing that. If the guy, if the manager wanted the guy and there was a budget for keeping the guy, you had no business interfering in that. And I know that it happened. And I know these stories are true now. And I don't that, think any that, good manager would have come and worked under that.
0: No, I mean that that story has kind of left me shocked. I I've never heard that story before. So that does points to me that that as you said, the relationship between Rogers and Lowell was over before the season even got going. That, I was at, I, I was, I was at Rodgers' last game against Mullerwell. And just that day, I think, Leicester announced the sack their manager at the time. And my friend turned around to me and goes, Leicester jobs, up for grabs. And I turned around at the end of the game and goes, that's his last game. And it was. And mm-hmm. you could just tell with the, the demeanour on the pitch, he was going around the whole stadium clapping the fans. Who does that after winning against Mullerwell? Especially during the season. And you you could just tell that uh, he was going to go, and as you as you rightly pointed out there, James, have to say that that's kind of left me a bit like wow. The whole loyal, sending them comments to Chris McLaughlin, and then at the on the eve of a Champions League game, I mean, Anthony, like, what's your reaction to that? Because I'm kind of like wow. Um,
1: I must admit, I I, I know the story um, because uh, James on the night that Rogers or, or the day after Rodgers left, um, he wrote and, and 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 I actually wrote it on your uh, on on the page. I mean, I mean that's he's. I mean James Penn's many a good article don't get me wrong but I, that was it was a it was a brilliant kind of in depth sort of analysis of sort of behind the scenes the the, the relationship between Rodgers and and Lowell and I, and I remember him commenting on on that story um and like you say as as the time has has went on and when you look back in hindsight you could see the writing was on the wall from around that period that was you know very very public um sniping at each other and hanging out their yeah. dirty laundry in public um we, di- we didn't see it crashing quite as badly as it did but you know it's you know hindsight's a wonderful thing but yeah it's a uh, it's a story i was aware of and but it, it doesn't shock me in, in this in the slightest
0: yeah i mean for me i, I i'd never even heard England of a story i remember around about the time that Chris McLaughlin said that, but obviously, I didn't know who it was, and to be, it's just to be told, it was Peter all literally sniping the manager, on the eve of a Champions League game, it makes you wonder, what else has he done, as James rightly pointed out, in the likes of Ledley, and Samaras, these guys were, were stars for Celtic, especially Samaras on his game, was untouchable, and letting them types of players go, for literally nothing, is Sean Ballick. but but, just to go back to, what I was previously saying, about the Lowell leave, at the end of the season, do you think that's potentially swayed, anyhow to take the job?
1: Um, Possibly i mean i mean we but we don't, we'll, we'll never know probably you know the absolute certainty to 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 that question i i i can only say i'm 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 glad that lowell is going and i i know i've i've been quite vocal about that um and and like you say it it definitely does ring bells with the fact that like you've said before um stephen that you know Eddie has been out of a job since november, so why why does it seem to be taking so long, especially when we could all see? The way this season was panning out, if if that call had been made, or if and if it was we had a chance to get somebody like how in back like in November, this season, even although we were falling, starting to fall behind quite quickly in November, I, I reckon the season was was salvageable. Um, it was just the the dithering and delay um, that's you know it's cost us dearly. I, I'm not. We'll never know for sure, and even especially if 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 it does get unveiled, it's certainly not a question he will answer. But. I, I do think, you know, football's a small world. Well, it would be very naive to think that um, Eddie Howe and Brendan don't have some form of contact with each other. Um, I, I think it's 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 very possible um, that, that, that that's the case.
0: Yeah, I think it's very, very public knowledge as well that Eddie Howe looks up to Brendan Rodgers in, in a way. He's been to training sessions and Rodgers has took him under his wing and showed him how he does things, his methods, his, his type of training regimes. and I've watched a, a lot of document, documentaries, Netty, how, and the coach's voice was a good one when he beat Chelsea. Um, the training one recently, recently, which was going around Twitter. I mean, that type of guy, just the way he is on the training ground, you can tell all the players love that, that speaking to them and telling them what to do, going through certain phases of play. and. As you rightly said, Anthony, the, the old school manager doesn't, w- wouldn't really strike me as kind of doing that. It would be just the motivator behind the scenes. But in, in terms of, uh, James, if the new management team gets announced, let's say within two weeks, and we know the players, some players have come to end their contracts and some players have made moves to leave, likes with Christy, Edward, for example. What players do you think, Eddie Howe, or a potential new manager, in case it's not Eddie Howe, but we all hope it is, but what, what type of players could be convinced to stay at Celtic for another season or another couple of seasons.
2: Um I wonder if Ryan Christie can be convinced to stay. Um I know Ryan Christie's dad spoke a lot about his son having ambitions to play in England and stuff like that, right? But I I think see, I think there's I think there's a general kind of unhappiness at Celtic Park this season and last season. Professional football's like to be tested and they like to be they like to be challenged I I, I always think about it um this is going to sound ridiculous right but I think about it in terms of season two of the office if I'm right season two of the office (laughs) you know you
1: remember
2: remember when Wernham Hogg um that the branch that David Brent runs incorporates the other branch and all their workers come over and they join the team now David Brent's mob are a chaotic, disorganized lot and they're always playing practical jokes in each other and stuff and having a laugh and whatnot. And the other lot are much more professional and much more disciplined. And they come over on their list, they're all sitting around and they're looking at their colleagues and they're thinking, how does this place even run? And when they have a team meeting to like, integrate everybody and Brent's asking them how they're getting on, they're all sitting there and they're all like, we want more work today. We don't just want to be sent about. We don't, you know, you don't, you don't give us anything to do. You don't challenges. You don't make it fun to come into work. And I think there was a kind of an element of that in the last two years at Celtic. I think the players were used to a certain standard and a certain high standard and certain things being maintained and they would discuss previous games and they would talk about tactics and they would do training in a certain way and they prepare for scenarios and games. Say a player gets sent off or a player goes off injured or, what happens if we go a goal down and we've got to make this substitution? And they talked about that and they did all that stuff. And then all of a sudden it was all stopped and it was all gone. And it was basic, run round the, the washing poles again. And these guys are like, well, what the hell And all of a sudden, the standards that they were used to, aren't they there any longer? And I think that caused, I think there's a lot of unhappiness at Celtic as a result of that. And I think a lot of these guys thought, well, we thought that this was a massive ambitious, forward-thinking club, because I know there were players like Tom Rogic and James Forrest, for example, right? Those guys were leaving the club before Brendan Rodgers became manager. Those guys were gone. James Forrest had both feet at the door and his bag's packed. And then all of a sudden, we make an appointment that just blows them all away, and all of a sudden, it's Celtic are this progressive, forward-thinking, ambitious club, and we're going to go for Champions League qualification, we're going to try and get to the same stages, and all of a sudden, these guys who wanted to are like, "Well, wait a minute. Maybe this is some. Maybe it's worth hanging around here to see where this is going." And I think that if Howe comes in and Howe's got the right ideas, this is one of the reasons why I would like him to come in straight away. I think he may be able to convince somebody like Ryan Christie, who I think Ryan Christie's gone backwards, like no other player I have ever watched. Ryan Christie was a great player to watch a couple of years ago, running with the ball. You know, scoring great goals and whatnot. And for all intents and purposes, Neil Warren turned him into a player who just shoots from outside the box every chance he gets to play a goal. His game has regressed to the point where, that's, where where it's an internet joke now, where even the opposition is drawing us about it before games. Right? And of course, he, he would score, wouldn't he, and shut them up. But that's, that's, that's the regression in, in his performances as a player and the, the fall in his personal standards. And I think the right manager could convince a guy like that that Celtic is where the future is, and he stay here. And it, it, it might even be good enough for Aya. It, it won't be good enough for Eddie, because Eddie's going to go. But Aya and Christie, I think there's a chance of making these guys sign new deals. Yeah, yeah. The,
0: you're 100%, you're 100% yeah. right. I mean, if Eddie Howe's watching the, the training videos selling are putting on their Twitter account, he's probably going to himself, what am I going to walk into? It just seems... It just oh, yeah. it just seems it just seems to be the same the same thing they're doing as you said run around the washing poles hit a few yeah. passes and then that's it boys that's it for the day. But I've been very focal on this podcast about Christy. I mean, to the point where people are always sending me on the group chat the dementia around Christy again. Unfortunately, yes, I am going to mention him again. I just think for me, I couldn't care less if this is the way he's going to be. I understand a manager can come in and change a player. Yes, I get that and. The way he's been the last year and a half, especially, he's been another shambles. Apart from the odd, the odd goal out of four hundred shots, mm. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't care if he left. As being totally honest, get a transfer fee for him and let That's him go. I'd else. be, I, that I'd be focusing more on the players like Ayer, trying to convince him for a couple more years. Then the resale value could be talking upwards of twenty million pounds if he gets his performances back. Eddie, mm-hmm. as you said, it's too late for Eddie. He he wants to go. I think he's been promised so much they like can... So I think you've just failed to deliver. Um, I don't. I don't know about you, Anthony. Where do you stand on any players? That do you think that we haven't spoken about could could be convinced to stay or at least take part in the next few seasons?
1: Yeah, the guys you mentioned um, are, are, are all certainly fit that bill. Perhaps, what you say wrong. Although I, I accepted it's Falkirk, but I did feel that him and Turnbull, it could be something worth uh, exploring, you know, that the two of them perhaps uh, playing together on the same team and I think, as, uh, as James says, with a, with a proper manager in place, um, he could possibly be convinced because, you, you know, he's not the Rogic of two, three years ago where he maybe could have walked into quite a few teams down in England, um, especially. I know there was obviously a chat of him going to Qatar last year and it, it sort of fell through. Another um, player that i I would be quite interested to see. It's not even necessarily with how. It's just more on the the the, the terms of if, if it could financially happen or not. Um, and he's a, he's a bit of a, a, an enigma. Um, but Moel Yunusi, I'm uh, um, I remember I took my wee boy to the, the Hamden semi final against Hibs uh, last season, and he absolutely ran the show. And he was in a real you know he was in a real purple uh, patch in that in that loan spell. Um and then he, you know, he, he got injured just before the final against Rangers and he, he, he didn't really get, get back into the team from then. But I was delighted when we got him back in the summer. Um but just, you know, and, and as much as like everything else has happened this season, it's just went there's just something went astray. But despite all that, and despite being played out of position so many times, he's still our second highest goal scorer. And you know, the, the, the wee goal on um on Wednesday, on the, not Wednesday, sorry, Saturday night suggests that you know, there's definitely a player in there, and maybe with a guy like how the helm, um, it could really, it could really work. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I think you know, I, we have to be honest. A lot of the loan signings are going. James, to... I think Eddie's, yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty much over. And, you, you, but I, I think of, you, you, not everyone's going to go. I mean, we're not going to have you know thirty new players coming in. Uh, we've got to be realistic that there, there is still going to be some guys from from this season that, that will be there next year. It's just all about trying to get the right ones.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Alan And um, I, I like him as a player, but as you said, this season especially, he's been played left, mid, le- left wing, centre attacking up front. And, uh, James, I'll go to you for this one. Would you like to see Alan Oussi come back, or do you think this is too much of a, a transfer fee to lay out for someone that hasn't really showed his best form this season, even though he's still our 2nd half top goal scorer?
2: I This this is a, this is a difficult one because obviously something has gone spectacularly wrong in the way the team is set up, the the way the team's coached and trained. I, I think it makes it extremely hard to judge whether we're watching players who blow hot and cold and a team that blows hot and cold. So you don't know whether it's, it's something that's affected the whole squad or whether it's. As certain individual players just starting up. to. I mean, like, I mean, I don't want, to, I don't want to move the conversation away from you Nesi and towards somebody else. But I, I, I watch a guy like Shane Duffy, and I think to myself, "You have played in the Premier League in England for years and never looked like this player. Who is this player who we have signed who cannot do even the basic things right? How, how can he have played?" at a level like the Premier League for years and be the guy that we've been watching? How can Vassalius Barkas be a full international and a guy who three or four teams are lining up to take off our hands and be as bad as the guy we've been watching? And so when Elanousie doesn't turn it on in certain games and does in other games, you don't know whether that's the player Elanousie is all the time or whether it's just part of the general regression that's involved every player in our squad this season. I mean, I, I think the guys got all the talent in the world. I mean, we tried to sign them before they went to England,
0: yeah. and we
2: obviously liked them enough that we paid two huge loan fees to get them to the club. Uh, I mean, it, there is—you can see a mile away that there's a player there. I mean, my God, the guy's got as much talent as anybody in the squad. But yeah. I, it's a—it's a lot of money to spend on on. A, a blind punt, which is what it would be right now, because we really don't have any idea whether we're watching a flawed player or just a, a, a good player being dragged down by a flawed team right now. Just yeah, I, think that's great,
0: I think that's a great point, because as as you rightly really pointed out, the likes of Moy and see, you can see there's a cracking player in there, and <laughs> Duffy's like a jigsaw puzzle that you just can't figure out. As you said, he playing in the, the top level of like English football, he never looked down of place in the likes of Arsenal. Man United, he always gives good performances, but yes, he's had personal issues off the field. But again, we have to judge what we see on the pitch, and he hasn't yeah. been anywhere near the standard that Celtic require. For me, Duffy is a no-go, even under a new management structure. I just, I think it's kind of the, the bridge is burned, so to speak. And oh, well, I thing, think he, yeah. yeah, I think he, even in his facial expressions when you get the pictures from training, he doesn't look happy. And maybe I'm reading too far into that, but that's what it looks like for me. The, the other known players, John Joe Kenny is the most boring footballer I've ever seen in the Celtic shirt. Um, <laughs> Diego Diego, Diego Laxalt gives us a bit of flair, a bit of oomph on the left-hand side. But again, he's been coached to, to regress. He started off so well, and he he's just kind of went down to the level that the rest of his teammates are at. Then you go to Moy, and you're going to yourself, that's the only fellow from the lone players that maybe has a chance of staying on next season. But yet again, you're thinking of that transfer fee. What's what will oh. Southampton want? And you're talking probably upwards of seven million pounds because they paid what was it, eighteen million? What round about yeah. that,
2: that for Moyel
0: like Yeah. So, and uh, another thing that baffles me as well, Moyel Nisi and Albini and play for each other a ball. And, oh, just, yeah. and, and yeah. why 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 is Celtic not tapped into that and try to play a little more together? That could maybe <laughs> a, <laughs> one of the many really mysteries. So, so it's it's a, it's a, like a Rubik's cube Celtic this season, but. Just to move on to what was seen as well was Chris Commons, an ex celtic player, which by all accounts, he was a brilliant Celtic player. But I'll go to you, Anthony, first for this one. I find it quite interesting when ex-players come out. And the majority of time, it's never to have anything positive to say about Celtic Football Club or the, the, the position they find themselves in. But why do you think that is, Anthony?
1: Uh, for probably a lot of reasons. Uh... Stephen, the the one thing I'll say before I go any further, I, I just want to say I would never ever want ex-Celtic players to uh, that go into sort of media or, or punditry work to ever carry on in the manner of which guys like Derek Johnston do Absolutely. or Mark Haitley do or even McCoist actually, McCoyst actually pretty awful or that, you know, the Kings did himself, Chris Boyd. These guys, are, these guys are an absolute embarrassment they, they, they are shamelessly partisan and cannot see anything that sees their own club in a bad light i actually i always find it you know not even just in football but in, in other um aspects of life as well To challenge the people that you're, you're, you're most you know you sort of aligned with most challenge them It's it's healthy it keeps everyone on their toes I've got absolutely nothing against people um, that used to play for Celtic criticizing Celtic where it's where, when it's right to do so, but it seems to be just the the, the, the way that ex Celtic players carry on in the media that it's it's almost like they're trying to I don't know trying to curry flavour with, with people that are, are never going to be on their side just to try and sort of say you know or uh, you know I know I used to play for Celtic but I'm trying to be impartial now and. I, it just it makes a mockery the arguments that they very often come out with. And even the ones who a lot of the time I can agree with, I think sometimes they say they go too far um, for their own good. Sometimes a, 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 an example of that kind of criticism would aim at perhaps at somebody like Chris Sutton, who is, is, nails it. He, he's really great a lot of the time, but then there's other times you're like, uh, you're, you're, you're just... Trying to cause controversy there, Chris. And I, I, I'm no further. My my, my personal favourite is John Hartson. I must admit, of of ex Celtic players. Anyway, um, I think Big Bad John is a fantastic, balanced, but makes it makes no bones about and no, makes no apologies for where his his loyalties lie. Um, but you know, if we're, you know, Chris Colmans isn't the only one? You know, we've got you know Charlie Nicholas does it, but um, done it every weekend, week out before Sky them. David Proven, whenever he you know he, he, he deems himself you know Scottish football worthy of you know he's, his opinion, oh it'll, it'll always come from a, a a negative slant or a sly dig mm-hmm. uh, not even a sly dig at Celtic half the time it's just um, it's very blatant. But Commons you know and especially the, it, Commons probably annoys me the most, probably just for the fact of the outlet that he chooses to do it you know in the Daily oh. Mail, um, just just an absolute a vehicle of of hatred um a, 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 how any celtic player could could ever take a coin for that for that uh, print, it just astounds me uh, not especially considering how much him and his his, his wife sort of bought into the, the celtic way but his his argument regarding how you know for being specific his, his his argument was all over the place you know he was sort of making digs about how the fact that um Bournemouth stadium couldn't hold the crowd that came to welcome Brendan Rodgers. It's, it's no Eddie Howe's fault what the capacity a no. Bournemouth Stadium is. As, as I said earlier, I accept that Eddie Howe has not yet had the, an in inverted commas, big job in England. But if he had have received one of the bigger jobs in years gone by, I don't think anyone would have batted an eyelid. I think most... You know, experts would have said, "Well, it's he's clear. You can clearly see he's a guy going places, where, and he's got the credentials to take on one of the big jobs. And we are one of the big jobs. I would, I would say, we're even we're one of the elite jobs. And for for Chris Commons to make so many of the silly and petty comments that he does um, on a regular basis, particularly about how, but he's he's listen. This isn't a once-off. It's it's practically every time there's a microphone in front of him." Um, he'll come away with. It. He, he's he, he's the exact same when he's covering the matches on Sky as he is um, on the print media as well. Um, it's it's so frustrating because you know as a player I did like to watch him. Um, you know he he obviously had a, many as a, a a great performance in a Celtic shirt, but I do think he, he did get. Uh, he said did get too too big. Um, I thought he became arrogant in his latter years, and um. I'm sure James will allude to, um, I'll, I'll, I'll go any further because I know James will probably say more about, you know, he's, he's dressed in romantics, but, you know, he's he's a guy who's really, you know, soured his, soured his name, and for somebody who you'd normally sort of hold in high regard, he's, for me now, he's just another ex-player, uh, with, with, with a dig, who, who wants to criticise us for no reason, for, for, for a reason which I can't fathom.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I just let's switch the on button new you know, Anthony, that was a brilliant way to. come across.
1: Yeah, I've I've been bit, ever since I read that um article yesterday. Um, uh, yeah, I've been waiting to, I've been waiting for the for the, the old, <laughs> old old, old to vent my fury.
0: <laughs> yeah, i I mean, see for me, for years, my biggest my biggest bugbear was Charlie Nicholas watching him before Champions League games putting Celtic down and the usual comments about. It's only Scottish football, blah, blah, blah. But they weren't saying all these things when they were putting on the famous screen and white. As as and as soon as they leave, it's like just a fest of ex-players. Andy Walker, to a certain extent, I know he came off of a cracker about Desmond, which the majority of us actually supported what he said at that point. But in the majority of it, he always speaks down about Celtic. And it's like, these guys go away, and it's just this bitter pill that they never seem to swallow. I mean, James, I'm interested to hear what you say. I'm, I'm it's, I don't. For me, it's just like, why do these players do this? They should be supporting the club. And, but again, what Anthony said, don't be cheerleading the club. If there's things that need to be picked up, pick at them. But don't be coming yeah. at every single bit of information or news coming out of Celtic Park.
2: I, I, I mean, I, I could not endorse more highly everything that he just said there. Um, I mean, I, I, I wrote about the, the Commons article yesterday. I thought it was hilariously bad. Right. I really genuinely did I thought it was hilariously bad and, and that's, what, that's what it is that, that, that bugs me the most about all of it um, and it, it's not even so much the anti-Celtic nature of what these guys write it's the utter stupidity of what they write and it has echoes in the utter stupidity of what the Chris Boyds in that right? and I think to myself did nobody ever play for either their club their clubs or our club who has a spark of intelligence, who you could give a his call column. Why is it these utter dickheads? Why is it the stupidest? Well, absolute halfwits who get newspaper columns and get places on the radio. These, this can be representative of the intellectual level of people who play for these clubs. It cannot possibly be. So why are these the people we get? You look at somebody like Michael Stewart. Oh my God, I would I would give everything I own for Michael Stewart who played for Celtic for even five minutes. So I can say, there you go, Excel in the media who shows the rest of them how it's done. I mean, God almighty. Michael Stewart yeah. talks more sense than, uh, honestly, his, 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 his average utterance has more intelligence behind it than these people could muster if he were somehow able to wire all the brain cells together. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, well, I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, Chris Boyd, for me, is as you said, it, It's you just look at him all the time on the TV, and he's all smug, he's all smiling, and he's <laughs> sitting there with his puffer jacket on, standing so wide a busket foot through his legs, and you're going, what? Well, as you said, these guys get these positions just because of the clubs they played for, but they're thick as chips. And you, you look at it as well. As you said, Michael Stewart's brilliant. I love listening to Michael Stewart. I think he, he speaks well, and... He's impartial to the, the both sides and he, he gives an honest view. Um, Anthony, you look you look at these types of players, Chris Boyd, Chris Commons. Do you think maybe that we should go in and replace them?
1: Oh, uh, l- listen, I I I think we would do a very uh, put it this way, we couldn't be any worse than them. Let's oh. let, let's be honest. Um, but no, l- listen, it's not just the ex players. You know, I, I I I do for my sons uh, tune into you know bbc scotland sports sound some of the times and again you just think you know how, how are these guys in the positions they're in it's it's uh, it's astounding uh, as i say michael Stewart, i totally agree with you. he's one of the one of the rare um good guys as i say I, I didn't I, I could not tell you which team michael Stewart supports um to be honest and i think that's a credit yeah. to him because obviously he had the, the united connection he's played for He's a big Edinburgh boy, so I'm, I'm assuming yeah. it's one of the two Hibbs team, uh, one of the two Edinburgh teams. But I, 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 but I genuinely couldn't tell you um, yeah. who, who it was. But uh, who he supports, which is a, a credit to him because he comes across as intelligent but impartial. But uh, yeah, if, if, if MD's wanting, uh, if, if if MD's needing a gig, you know, if, I've I've got a headset. You know, I, I can talk about football <laughs> anytime, anytime the MD wants me. <laughs>
0: well. We'll, well, what we'll do, we'll do a, a big skip and a hop here over to the next subject because we'll be talking about that for hours in regards to reporting in, in, in Scotland and even over here where I'm from in Belfast. It's, it's so it's so left. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, uh, but yeah, we'll move on to the Scottish Cup draw. So we, we're seeing that we were draw, drawn against uh, Rangers, or Glasgow derby opponents will be another Glasgow derby. What what's your opinion, James? Can Celtic want to win the Scottish Cup if Eddie Howe is in charge, or if not, what, what's your preference?
2: Um, I, I think we're we're certainly capable of winning it no matter who's the manager. I, I don't think that we've got any reason to fear them if Kennedy is in the dugout because we've outplayed them the last and I mean absolutely outplayed them the last twice. It's, it's it's amazing that you know because when when they had their one good game against us, you know, um after we. Them like however many times in a row it was, and they had the one good game against us. The media was screaming from the rooftops about how this represented a change in the trend, and the tide turned, and this was this proved that they could live with us and challenge us on the day. We've done it twice in a row, we've outplayed them twice in a row, and I haven't read a single bit of coverage that reflects that view. Not one bit, but the crucial point is that we haven't won any of the two games, and that's frustrating. It's really frustrating. Consider, uh, consider, especially how many chances we made in the second one. Not so much the first one because they 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 won the game without having a shot on goal. I mean, that's an incredible stat. But we were only that much more clinical in front of goal. We were only that much better in front of goal than them that day. Uh, but that second game, they won at Celtic Park just past. We completely outplayed them for the whole match, and we should have won that game. Completely. And again, it's, 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 it's the same old, same old, it's the, it's the defending, it's the inability to learn from our mistakes that cost us, but we'll do given that all we're doing, we'll
0: do it. Yeah, I don't understand why people fear, Rangers, they're nothing special to me, it's just a simple... A, a, a simple like a, a symptom of Celtic season that we're not shambolic we can't kind of fucking take advantage of being on top for the last two games and not get the result we wanted I, I think personally we still have a better squad than them i think all round it's 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 internationals There's better players better technical players and unfortunately it's just the way we've coached this season and the way it's ended it's ended in catastrophe in terms of the ten but honestly do you are you confident that we can as James rightly said give them a doing and win the Scottish cup
1: listen Absolutely. I mean, we've won it 40 times already and the last four on the bounce. So I don't see any reason why we can't go there and win. Um, because, like you say, the last couple of games, we've been by far the better team, just can't put the ball on the back of the net. And, you know, your luck, our luck's due to change um, at some point. But, you know, if we're going to win it for a fifth time, we're, have, we're going to have to do it the most difficult way possible. So, yeah, like you say, Bring it on! Although the thing is, just I've just seen uh, earlier when the the kickoff's going to be uh, four o'clock on a Saturday. So oh, for reasons unknown, so uh, we're all probably going to be back in lockdown on the Sunday. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, 100 percent right. But in my opinion, I think personally, yes, we can do it. We can win the Scottish shop. There's no, as James and Anthony you both said, there's no reason why we have to fear anybody. We, for me. The symptom of the season is just been poorly, poorly coached and the same mistakes, the same defensive errors. Set Peaches seem to be a killer for us at the minute. And if we eradicate that for the next couple of games coming up, and especially the Scottish Cup run, there's no reason why we can't go on to win it. But guys, in terms of the main show, that's us complete. We've talked about everything we need to talk about, topics, Dominic McKay, Eddie Howe, that type of thing. So thank yous for that. What we're going to move on to is the quiz. Now, the quiz is controversial. I mean, some people think yeah. i do them out of it, and some people think <laughs> it should be them that's winning. But at the end of the day, it's, it's who I hear first, and I have to go with that, unfortunately. So it's, it's five questions, James. It's whoever right? gets the free first, whoever gets the majority of questions <laughs> right. I'm not, I'm not too technical about it, but I'll take the first person to hear, okay? So let's make use of more of that. Are you as ready to go? Go
1: on. Yeah, go for it.
0: <laughs> no problem at all. Have you got your finger on the buzzers, lads? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so, so, first question is Where did Celtic sign Rand Christie from? Aberdeen. Inverness. Inverness. Oh, what did you say, James?
1: Inverness. I
0: have to give it to James. You got your first answer wrong. Yeah, first one
1: wrong. He's been yeah. up at Aberdeen that many times. Oh, so that was yeah, a, that yeah. was a <laughs>
0: error. Who gave Callum McGregor has Celtic debut. Roy
1: Dylan. I'm pleased in. That's one
0: each. What is Moussa Dembélé's nickname?
1: Moussa, the hunt scalper.
0: Yes, that's two. <laughs> <me>. <laughs> what is Celtic's biggest Glasgow derby win? Seven one. Was that James? Did you say that? Yes. Yeah, that
1: was James, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well done. That's 1957. And finally, if you guys were listening during the show, this is just to see who was listening, who's not. When <laughs> does Dominic MacKay start his role at Celtic? April 2020? 16th. Oh no. April, April 19th. Is it 17th? Oh shit! April 19th. <laughs> Anthony Windsor. Oh, oh. Anthony, you keep. You keep the credibility for the End the Cells podcast, guys. I mean, uh, I only, in regards to the guest, I think we've only been beaten twice, if I'm correct. I think that's a pretty good run. But guys, <laughs> um, Anthony, thanks for, thanks for coming on and you'll be on again in the future as, as a regular contributor. And James, have you enjoyed your time on the podcast?
2: Ah, oh, bro. Thank you very much for having me. I must say
0: it was fun. Yeah, no well, problem, James. Well, once, and once, also anyone back, who...
2: You will know, we'll comb the hair and come back on. <laughs>
0: And also as well, guys, who, who are listening, please check out James's Celtic blog. There's some fantastic articles, and you'll, it's well worth the read. I mean, there's some cracking ones. The Commons one stands out. as brilliant. So, thanks for coming on, James. And just a big shout-out to make shout out, there's our spin-off series. We did another series, uh, spin-off series last night, which is going to be titled The Nopes 11. So, basically, it's a combined worst 11, basically from the 1995 season upwards till now, which is very, very good. It was very well worth listening. William Dobbin does a fantastic job. He's the host, also along with John and Francis. It's a cracking show. But guys, until we speak again, which will be Friday, our usual podcast, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail.